Atlanta News First investigates the largest investigative team in Georgia, holding the powerful accountable and fighting for you. Now, in this series of podcasts, we take you behind the scenes of our most recent investigations. Welcome to Behind the Investigation with Atlanta News First. Welcome to Behind the Investigation. I'm Chief Investigator Brendan Keefe with Atlanta News First. And joining me also is Rachel Polanski, Investigator with ANF and ANF Plus. Good to have you here. Of course. Thank you for having me. So we're going to be talking about medication mix-ups. Before we watch the story, uh, give us a setup. What are we going to see? Yeah, so this is something that we all do every day. You go to the pharmacy pick up a prescription, but imagine this, you're given the wrong medication. So this happened to a Metro Atlanta woman, and in working on this story, we uncovered that it's actually a lot more common than you might think. Let's take a look. I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I'm in pain. A plea for help from an Atlanta woman with nowhere to turn. The pain is outrageous. It's it is extremely bad. After a bad ankle sprain, Gradine Hector Faison was prescribed oxycodone. Without thinking twice, she picked up the medication from her local CVS and began taking it. It didn't ease the pain up, but I was wide woke. I waited a couple hours, about six hours went by. I took another one, trying to ease the pain again. And it never eased up. After taking the medication without any pain relief, Hector Faison called her daughter-in-law, who stopped by and paused after seeing the orange pills. She looked it up. She said, how many of these you took? I said, I took four. She said, well, don't take no more. That's why she said, this is Adderall. While oxycodone is an opioid, often categorized as a downer, Adderall is an amphetamine, often categorized as an upper, and both are Schedule II drugs. Hector Faison immediately called CVS, but she says she got the runaround from her local pharmacy and from the corporate office. I just want what belongs to me. I want to ease my pain up. I want CVS to make it right. I want them to apologize for giving me the wrong medicine. An Atlanta News First investigation uncovered what happened to Hector Faison is not uncommon. In fact, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration receives roughly 100,000 medication error reports every year. And get this, medication errors reported to the FDA jumped from 16,000 in 2010 to more than 100,000 in 2018. And these reports are voluntarily submitted, which means the numbers are likely higher. As far as what's reported to the FDA, usually only accounts for about maybe 1 to 10 percent of what actually occurs. Dr. Randall Tackett is a professor at University of Georgia's College of Pharmacy, and he attributes most medication mix-ups to pharmacist workload. Hey, Doc, how are you? Just because you see a number of people behind the pharmacy counter does not mean they're all pharmacists. Most are technicians or support staff who cannot do everything a pharmacist can do. Those pharmacists have to oversee all of those other people. That pharmacist has to answer questions from the patient. That pharmacist may have to be on the phone with the doctor. And that puts a lot of burden on the pharmacist. In an effort to minimize mix-ups, some states have limited the number of prescriptions a pharmacist can fill to 150 per shift. While Georgia does not currently have limits, Tackett doesn't know if that's the magic answer. In theory, possibly, but the reality of that is so hard to enforce. You don't want a pharmacist to like, okay, I've met my quota and I can't fill it. His best advice for patients is simple. Speak up. If there's any differentiation between what you think you should be getting, question the pharmacist. As for Gradine Hector Faison, I'm on the road to recovery. Her wait is finally over. Atlanta News First investigates emailed CVS on a Friday. By Monday, Hector Faison received her correct medication and an apology. I feel like if it wasn't for y'all, I wouldn't have gotten the result. 
nothing at all. Today, she says she's feeling better. I'm just going day by day. At this point, I'm in the healing process. Still, she does not want this to happen to anyone else. It could have been life and death consequences. That's why she's urging pharmacists to double check every prescription they fill. Do not give them the wrong medicine. Other things could happen worse than what it did to me. So please, be careful what you do. And CVS went on to say that they're looking into how this medication mix-up happened in the first place to ensure that it doesn't happen again, adding prescription errors are a very rare occurrence. But if one does happen, we do everything we can to learn from it in order to continuously improve quality and patient safety, end quote. And we're back now. Rachel, what are some of the big takeaways from your story? Right. So this is, again, something we can all do before you leave the pharmacy. Look at the medication. If something doesn't look right to you, if maybe it's not the right color that you're used to, talk to the pharmacist. That's what they're there for. And if possible, try and go to the same pharmacy because then they'll have all your medications on file and possible drug interactions as well. I see. So I've done this before where I've gotten some pills and then they look different than the last time. That doesn't mean they're necessarily the wrong medication. They might be using a generic or a different brand of the same kind of medication, right? Exactly. So when I was talking with the UGA professor, I actually brought that up because I said, um, oxycodone, shouldn't it be white? And he's like, well, not necessarily. There are um, generics that can be blue or different colors. So that's such a great point. Just because it's not the right color doesn't mean it's the wrong medication. Uh, but again, just a reason to ask that question check with the pharmacist. And you can even say, you know, normally this pill is pink. Why is it blue? Is this a generic? Um, you know, you're allowed to ask those questions. It's unfortunate that there are enough errors, those 100,000 errors, and that's voluntarily mm -hmm. reported, that actually we have to check our medication. If I do look at it, is there something I can do in terms of like, can I Google the number that's on there or the design that's on the pill? Sure. And that's exactly what uh, Miss Hector Faison's daughter did. If you type in Google, you know, pink pill 404, uh, a pill identifier website will pop up. There's a number of them and it will tell you, you know, what you're describing and it will even show you a picture. So you can sit, you can see, is that my drug? Yep. That matches it. And that's how they figured out that it was in fact Adderall. In this particular victim's case, it was not taking the essentially pain medication, but taking an upper, a stimulant that's going to keep her not only with the pain, but also awake. That had to be excruciating for her. Right. And um, it went on for over 10 days. Uh, she, she stopped taking the drug when her daughter-in-law told her it was Adderall. Uh, so luckily, she only took, I think, four or five of the pills. Um, but then having that run around with CVS going back and forth and trying to get the correct medication, uh, she said it was really a nightmare. And um, I think, again, because these were both Schedule II drugs, they had to launch that investigation to figure out what happened. And it wasn't until we got involved that I think they started taking her seriously and, and taking the case seriously. And this could have been, if it was a different medication, it could have been fatal. Some people have died because they've received the wrong medication. Sure. If you are allergic to something, you know, I'm allergic to penicillin. So if I was given penicillin, that would not be a good thing. And um, yeah, a lot of people have a number of, of ailments and a number of allergies. So yeah, in her case, she ended up, you know, losing a couple nights sleep and being in a lot of pain, which is really unfortunate. But it could have been a lot. It could have been a lot worse. You know, pharmacists have a tough job. Uh, mm -hmm. Everyone makes mistakes on the job. I do. When we make a mistake, often we've just misspelled someone's name on the news and the little lower third underneath <laughs> their face. If a pharmacist makes a mistake, it can cause serious injury or death. Mm -hmm. um, 
Are you seeing that pharmacists are overworked? Is that part of the problem? And is that why there's been this proposed legislation to reduce or at least limit the number of prescriptions they can write in a single shift or fill? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is fair to say that pharmacists are overworked and overburdened. Um, You know, that UGA pharmacy professor said just that, and he is someone that, of course, is an advocate for pharmacists. Um, I thought it was really interesting what he brought up because – when I'm at the pharmacy, I do see a lot of those texts behind the counter. And I always thought that they could do what pharmacists can do. But quite frankly, they can't. And especially with these Schedule Two drugs, a pharmacist has to sign off on it. So if one pharmacist is getting all of these requests in, um, you know, you it's easier to understand how something like this could happen. Yeah. And then the other thing is, if you do put a limit, what happens when, you know, your grandmother goes in to get the prescription filled at the pharmacist that she always goes to says, sorry, I've reached my limit for the day. You can't have your medication. It does create some problems. So it really comes down, it sounds like, to staffing. Mm -hmm. And that's a corporate decision if it's a large chain or an individual business owner's owner's decision if it's a mom and pop. Sure. And the professor brought up a really good point, too, uh, to what you were saying there with the capping of the uh, capping of the certain medications, 150 per shift, that a lot of times um, they get an influx in the morning, at lunch, and right before closing. So it's not so much that, you know, having a cap would make their lives easier. It's more just like spacing out, which isn't going to happen because people are going to go in at lunch and before, and before, um, you know, before they close. So I thought that part was really interesting as well. And we weren't really able to include that tidbit in the story. Um, but yeah, um, he also said to your point that a pharmacist isn't going to want to turn someone away. So he just doesn't think that's the magic answer, but he doesn't really know what is the magic answer. And you pointed out that people come in during lunch or right after work, and I didn't think about it before. Some people don't have the flexibility. Um, But with that said, if you can go in those off times, you would Mm -hmm. likely have a better chance of getting a more accurately filled prescription. Oh, absolutely. And a better chance of talking to the pharmacist. Good point. Because uh, they'll be more, you know, they won't be as busy. (laughs) Right. And the other thing is, if, if you say 150 and that cap is too low, if a single pharmacist is overseeing 150 prescriptions. A failure, uh, let me put it this way, an accuracy rate of greater than 99% could still result in a, uh, you know, a, a mix-up in a prescription mm-hmm. uh, once per day right. uh, for that one pharmacist. And that's an extraordinary failure rate, even if they're 99.5% you know, accurate. Yeah, especially if you're that one person. That's right. That's right. It all comes down to that one person. They have to be right every time, all the time. Uh, Anything else you think we ought to know, Rachel, things we can do to keep an eye on this for ourselves and our families? No, I think it's just, you know, really being your own advocate, um, keeping a list of your medications, talking to your pharmacist. And uh, like I said earlier, trying to go to that same pharmacy if you can um, so that they have all your drugs on file and they can tell you if there's any interactions. And even having that relationship with the pharmacist is nice, too. Yeah, that's great. And if anyone at home has any tips for us and you'd like us to investigate, we have the largest investigative team uh, in in Metro Atlanta, 11 people dedicated uh, full-time to uh, doing investigations. Send tips to investigates at Atlanta News First. And we'll see you on Atlanta News First and right back here on Atlanta News First Plus. This has been Behind the Investigation. For Rachel Polanski, I'm Chief Investigator Brendan